Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we welcome Beth Potter. After wrapping up 2020 with a World Cup gold in Valencia and silver in Azucena, Beth has taken lockdown life by the throat and literally run with it. In March, she powered two Arena Games gold in London and a week later, the Rio 2016 Olympic 10,000 meter runner was setting world record times over the 5,000 meter distance at track meet in the north of England. Rotterdam Arena Games saw her take silver behind Sophie Coldwin on Sunday. So Beth, welcome to the World Triathlon Podcast. Hi, hi, thanks for having me. Um, it's been a mad couple of weeks, but yeah. Yeah, uh, are you back in the UK now though, after Rotterdam? Yeah, I'm back in Leeds um, and I'm back training, although that's the only thing I can do at the moment. So um, it's quite nice to do something in between training in the house. So how was, how was Rotterdam? Obviously like the London Arena Games went brilliantly. Rotterdam looked like it went equally well. Um, you just had a lot of fun, enjoyed it. Yeah, the Super League format is really fun. Uh, and I don't usually get the opportunity to race um, a relay because, well, I never get picked for them. So um, it's actually really nice to, to do some really fast stuff. And I kind of used it as a bit of a springboard for, um, you know, the World Triathlon Series, you know, just getting getting race sharp. And I think that's what I kind of missed a little bit uh, going into Hamburg last year. You know, I hadn't raced for a year um, and I was just really rusty. I just felt really slow. So it's been quite nice to kind of sharpen that kind of top end stuff mm-hmm. while still kind of doing it off a big base. So um, yeah, it's been it's been fun, and it's it's like I feel like if you can't have fun there, then you just can't have fun racing at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess everything from like, I mean, you know, the the uniforms, right? The whole like the look and the feel and the the vibe in there, and yeah, I think it's fun that you mix the format up, and it's just like a really hard three really hard brick sessions back to back. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's just like a really hard training session. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's been good. And uh, I think I was a bit tired coming into Rotterdam actually, just uh, off the back of that 5k. Like I haven't really haven't really been too easy on myself in training. So um maybe judged that one a bit wrongly. But you know, so he was really difficult to beat on the day. So hats off to her. Yeah. Well, yes, well so let's come to Super League. It would be good to start with that that 5k. Um it was a a meet in the north of England um but there was a lot of buzz around it beforehand even wasn't there I mean I guess just the lack of racing meant that there, there was a lot of people coming from from all over the UK to to take it on right everyone was kind of yeah. talking about it yeah so I actually did the same track meet it was actually it's not a track it's a kind of flat cycle kind of cycle track so it's tarmac so it's, it's road Mm-hmm. Um, so I did it last August as a kind of prep in time for Hamburg uh, and I thought at the time it went well I went around a 15-24 I was super happy with that it was a PB um, and yeah I think the same I kind of went into it with the same attitude um, a couple of weekends ago like you know it's we don't have many races you know so you've got to grab every opportunity you get at the moment so you know I went there off the back of a pretty big week of training um, and I kind of wanted to test myself to see because I usually like to taper for run races because, you know, I just like to run fast. So I, I want to make sure I run fast. And I didn't really have that going into this race. So I was trying to see how I would stack up off a kind of hard bike week. And um, in my head, I was thinking, let's just try and run a, run a PB here. 15-15 would be really good. I'd be really happy with that. Um, and the night before I asked if I could go in the sub-15-30 race because I wanted to be pushed the whole way. And I was pushed the whole way, the, the, every single meter of that race I was pushed. So yeah, to come away with 1441, like, honestly, I, st- I still can't believe it. I'm still like in shock that I managed to do that. So that's given me a big confidence boost 
for the start of the season anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and how did it feel like just to have suddenly everywhere afterwards? It was particularly, I suppose, given the lack of racing and things. And uh, there's been a lot of more in, I guess, the men in the World Triathlon have been posting a lot of stuff about fast 5k times and so on. Um, or I've seen more of it than I have of the women anyway. But but like it's just, you know, the chat about those sort of times is everywhere, right? And so so yeah. everyone had an opinion about it and it was all over the news and Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the reason it got part of the reason it got so much like attention is because we have park run. You know, it park runs everywhere in the world and park runs five K. So everyone has, you know, everyone does park run, or most people do park run. So they know what they run for a five K. So yeah. I think that's part of the reason it went a bit viral. Um and then obviously because there's this bit of a crossover between the triathlon and the athletics world it, it kind of I remember having some messages from uh, like Cara Goucher from the States and, and Gwen messaged me as well and I was just like ah this is so cool <laughs> I was like because I feel like I was relatively unknown like, I know I'm obviously like I, I'm a good runner but like relatively unknown and like try circles and I feel like in the American side like I don't think people would know who I am but um it was just yeah I got so many really nice messages from like people I didn't even know would know who I was so that was really cool um but yeah and no, I think yeah part of it was that like there's not many opportunities to race at the moment so you just you just go for it and that's definitely what I did on on the 3rd of April I think it was 3rd of April <laughs> and at the time did you feel like you know things were things were clicking that that, that well that yeah, I mean, I actually only broke three minutes for a K on the Tuesday night before the race. Um, and then, you know, I, I knew it was fast. Like, I knew I had to commit, otherwise I was going to be out the back on my own. So I went with it. And I was still out the back, but I had about four or five guys beside me. So, you know, I, I, I knew I had to commit. And they were reading lap time, like, kilometre times out to me. And, you know, usually I would go through in like three minutes something, uh, but it was like two, and then it was always like a minute quicker. And I was like, "Wow, like this is this is fast." Is he is he standing at the right point in the race? Like I'm sure he's got this wrong. Um, so that was my initial kind of reaction, and then it it, it kind of dawned on me that because I was kept thinking, "Oh, get to three k, you'll be you'll be fine once you get to three k." And I kind of thought, "Well, maybe the wheels will fall off now. Like this is this is quite fast." And then I got to like almost a lap to go and we went through the finish line for the for the last time until the finishing. Mm -hmm. And it said 11, 11.30 something on the clock. And I was like, okay, so add three minutes into that. That's 14 something. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, no, this, this must be wrong. I must be doing the maths wrong. This this is not right. Um, and you were still feeling all right at that point as well. Yeah, you still, like... you know, like I was, I was like, I need to really dig in now. I can't let this go out the window. Just dig in. And I actually picked some men off on that last 800 meters but yeah just it's just a bit surreal like the low a very low-key race in the north of England <laughs> on a Saturday night in, in a kind of partial lockdown I just did not yeah did not expect to run that and yeah brilliant. I'm really happy obviously but I just it's a bit mad <laughs> what did you do my first, my first reaction across the line was is that a joke? Is the is the clock being calibrated? Can someone confirm that? And everyone was like, oh, it's a British record. And then someone said, it's a world record. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I know it's a British record because I know Paula Radcliffe's time is like 51. A world record? Me? I'm just a, I'm just a girl from Scotland. <laughs> like, there's lots of pictures of me with my hands across my mouth because I was, 
I just was speechless for once in my life. I had I had no words. And isn't that yeah? There's one picture that's everywhere. And there's a guy in like a high vis jacket, but right behind you with a clipboard or something. <laughs> kind of... Yeah, it was everywhere. It's on BBC and everywhere. It's just my. It was just the race organizer, race organizer taking a picture. Yeah, right. Mad. Yeah. And is there ratification like the the formal thing? I mean, you know, it's it's a formality. The time is the time anyway. But like in terms yeah, of I mean... ratified, is that? It's unfortunately no. I was out. I was out riding with a friend on Sunday morning, and um, I got a call to say that unfortunately it's not going to be ratified. So I was a bit bummed out when I heard that. But I've come to terms with it. Like at least it's going to be top of the all-time list. No one can take that away from me. I ran fourteen forty-one, um, and it might not be a world record, but I'm just going to call it world record for now until it's been. Um, and also, like you know, like there was no drug testers there, obviously, because. I, you know, I wasn't planning on running a world record. I didn't know that was going to happen. So obviously that's part of it. It's not going to be ratified because there was no drug testing on site. But I have been drug tested since the race. I was drug tested like less than 24 hours, less than 24 hours after the race. So, you know, like, you know, that, that, that has been done. So like that takes the doubt away sort of thing, like, if anyone was doubting it. But yeah. And I think, yeah, I just think it's it's a shame, but oh well, like, it's still going to be top of the all-time list and I know it's my PB so yeah totally and it'll make you presumably even hungrier to get back to that to those start lines the World Triathlon start line and the season ended I mean it feels like a long time ago but the season ended so well in 2020 Hamburg maybe like you said you weren't kind of that pleased with how it had gone but everyone was race rusty and there were so many variables there that people had to factor in right and to to then go silver and gold speaks for itself um so did that kind of make the delay to the start of the new season a bit easier to deal with because you know you knew where you were or were you just even hungrier to get back to to racing um you know actually after Hamburg I, I didn't want to do any more racing I was really like bummed out and I, I just I just didn't fancy it and um I actually had a bit of a panic attack at, Ham- at Hamburg and you know I was walking onto the pontoon and I I honestly nearly did a 180 and walked straight back off because I just didn't want to be there. Didn't feel ready. And I just, yeah, I just didn't feel ready. I'd only done two weeks of swimming in the pool. And I, you know, swimming is obviously my weak point. And I really need to feel confident in the water to to be feeling good about how it's going to go. Um, you know, so that was really difficult. And it was only my coach that kind of not bullied, I wouldn't say bullied me into doing it, but it was like, I think you should race. I think you need to end the season on a high. So we went far as a chain and then and he came out with me to that race and and that was really good and I had a positive result there and you know then I wanted to do another one and then that went well and I was almost a bit like oh the season's just getting going and mm-hmm. um, but I had some time off and kind of reset uh, and then like went again and I think yeah I think it's just been consistent you know I've not really missed any sessions I've, I just turned up you know I've got a really good atmosphere and squad here in Leeds and uh, that all helps helps a lot so I think yeah um, it was good for me to get some racing in because I, I find like staying away from racing too long I just I don't like it I just I need to be kept on my toes a little bit you know the whole process of of just doing a race so um, I think it was quite a good shout to do those last two races at the end of the season. I think so yeah. And also like it gives you if you have a positive result, like it gives you like that motivation to train hard in the winter, you know, if you end on a kind of downer, then it's almost a bit harder to kind of 
I don't know, pick yourself up again and go. So, you know, I had I had some real motivation going into winter training this this winter. So that was that was really good. Mm. I wonder how many people were in a similar mindset going out onto that pontoon in Hamburg. Oh, I never want to feel like that again. That was awful. Like I've never, I've never, I've never been brought to tears with anxiety before, and I felt that's that's what I was like in the hotel room before I left. Jeez, um, Jeez. just so anxious about it. Yeah. But did, was there a sense that there was anyone else feeling a, a similar way? Did you pick up that sort of vibe of people having just been away from the start line for so long and then into such a... Such yeah, a I think there was like a bit of... I also think it was quite weird, like having, you know, it was the first sort of... It was the first race in COVID times and, um, you know, everything was... I just found everything was really spread out in Hamburg and it was like quite, you know, it, everything took so much longer and then getting from the kind of checking in area to your bike it was just like everything was so far away mm. and I felt like that just added like time pressure to it all and just not going through the motions of like even like getting the wetsuit on and then like panicking if I can get it off like just everything like that it was just the little things and I think I just let that get to me too much um, and I think yeah that kind of was all encompassing all encompassing and just yeah it was too much to me yeah you the sort of person that enjoys going back to a course again knowing the setup and I mean the course itself as well obviously or does it not really play into I mean I was just looking through you know you've done sort of the Sardinian World Cups three times Antwerp a couple of times you know there seemed to be sort of races that you were maybe going back to is that something that well funny you say that because I've actually never done the same course twice because the Sardinian Sardinian was different each time yeah yeah And Antwerp, I've punctured after two minutes on the bike. So I've never actually completed the same triathlon twice. Okay. So yeah, and very I think debunked. the first couple, Yokohama is going to be a new one for me. Leeds is going to be a new one for me. So yeah, I'm still not been back to a race yet. Um, hopefully I'll get, I'll get there. Um, but yeah, everything's always a new experience. And I think that's really good for me because obviously coming into the sport in 2017 and, you know, I've not actually done that many triathlons. It's, I feel like I learn so much every single time I do one. Um, you know, like it's just a different course or different, um, yeah, different courses and different competitors. So I, I learn so much every time I every time I do a triathlon, um, which is good because ultimately it's the experience that I'm lacking. So when you're preparing for a race, how much research are you doing into the course itself? And during the course recce, are you? Are you like having to be seriously sort of switched on and checking stuff out, or do you just kind of? Go well, I've got I've got like like obviously I train with Alistair and Johnny, so they're obviously they've done all the courses, so you know I'll ask them a lot of questions. Uh-huh. Um, and my coach has been like training, has been coaching, um, you know, the athletes here in Leeds for a long time, so he's very familiar with courses and and like he does definitely help me in terms of advising me which ones would be best suited to me so I think that's really important having those people on board like really knowledgeable um people like I trust as well but yeah I will definitely look at the course and before like for ours of China last year I I checked out the gradient of that hill and went and found a hill in Leeds and and did it and hill rip so yeah I'm quite like I need to be uh, on it with stuff like that and just because I I don't have like the bike skills or like I don't have as good bike skills as everyone else, maybe. So, so you you said you don't have, you know, you're you're still in a way building up that kind of race experience just by virtue of not having been doing triathlon all that much, all that long. But 
obviously you came into triathlon as a serious runner, as an Olympian, and you know, this wasn't something that you were just kind of trying chancing your arm at, presumably. This was something that you wanted to to take on and tackle and felt you were gonna be, you know, one of the best at. So when you started, what what were the goals that you were particularly had in had in mind? Where were you wanting to take it? Well, I- I don't I don't feel like I do things like half-heartedly like I you know I I moved here because I, I felt like this was the best place to do triathlon and um you know I gave up a lot to do this I, I left a career in athletics I left a full-time physics job in a school um you know friends and people in London you know I, I it was a big move and it was definitely hard um and it's been challenging along the way and there's definitely been moments of like why am I doing this this is like this is a bad idea mm. but I think it's beginning to pay off this and I was like people always told me it was never going to happen overnight and patience is not something I'm good with so and um, you know it has taken three four years and yeah but it's like I've enjoyed it it's it's been nice to see like progression every single year and it's almost like going back to being like really young again and taking like big PVs off all the time. It's been, it's been good. And a bonus, my running's got better. So (laughs) (laughs) they all, they always told me my running would never get better and it's got better. So. (laughs) So the, was the athletics career easier to keep alongside the teaching career and then, or was it just, if I'm taking up triathlon, I need to be in Leeds. I want to be where, you know, there's an opportunity with the Brownies to train and all and that crew there so yeah I think like especially when I ran like there was definitely I could fit a full-time or not yeah I could fit a job around it um you know full-time was quite hard work but I still managed it you know I qualified for Commonwealth Games and Olympics while I was teaching five days a week so um you know it wasn't easy but it was manageable and yeah I enjoyed it at the end of the day I, I, I liked doing that um I'm not someone that likes to sit around all day and like I like to have stuff going on I probably have too much going on most of the time but I think with triathlon it's just the volume of training was just too much it was to have a job around it it was too much and I was 25 when I moved to Leeds yeah and I just wanted to I just felt like I did if I didn't do it now I didn't want to regret anything and I thought I needed to give it a go and yeah I just I was all in yeah and how did it go in those early stages compared to how you had maybe thought you know what what is it like switching sport from yeah it was awful I found it really hard really but yeah I found it really like I think I was just really tired all the time um just found I got I just was getting smashed at everything I was getting smashed at swimming smashed on the bike and then I'd train with boys for the running and I'd get smashed with that and I just came away always thinking oh I'm just not good at anything like it was just really tough and I think as soon as you stop, I, I, I had a bit of a turning point where I just was like, I need to just focus on myself and what how I'm improving. And as soon as I did that, then that was much better because I could see a progression week on week with my with my own training, and um, and like not comparing myself to others because obviously I'm in a I'm, I was training in a squad where, you know, like the squad I train in just now, there's like there's four Olympians and then me, um, you know, it's like a pretty big deal, like it's. It's a high bar. Yeah, it's a high bar. But that's the thing. Like, if you if you if you want to be great, you have to surround yourself with like really great athletes. And mm. like, yeah, I want to be 
if you're the average of them, then that's pretty high, pretty high average. So, um, yeah, like I didn't want it. To, it was it was never going to be easy because if it's easy, then it's is it worth having? But yeah, it was definitely hard and it was definitely challenging. But um, I just got my no, head down and there was no pandering to the to the new girl. Then it wasn't like you know. no, no, no. It was it was let's see what she can let's see how much we, she can deal with. Um, but I can I can cope with it now. Like four years ago, I would have been sitting at home thinking, how how can they do this? Like, how can they go out and do another bike ride? I have no legs. I have no arms. I'm exhausted. So and now I'm 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 fine. I, I'm one of that those person. People. I'm not one. Yeah. So it's just a process. It just takes time. Um, and that's what everyone always said to me. It's just going to take time. Mm. Um, and it did. It just took time. It was interesting talking to Kenji Nena, who made the switch from Australia to Japan like a few years ago. And he his sort of formative years had been around some of the Aussie greats and Brad Carlfeld. And yeah, he was, you know, just that that concept of greatness and being around it and being, you know, you, you have to be exposed to what is possible in order to keep pushing your own dreams and what you know is capable you're capable of, right? Yeah, and I think it's good to train with people that are better than you because you get pushed ultimately. Like you get the best out of yourself. And I definitely have that. BFG out, I, I get pushed in training, definitely. And so when you moved to Leeds, did you actually move in with Johnny Brown? Like, were you sharing a house as well? Yeah, right? I, um, he messaged me and it was like, oh, let me know if you need any help with like accommodation or anything, like just give me a shout. And I, yeah, I just said, oh, well, do you know anyone that needs a housemate? And he's like, well, I've got, I've got a couple of spare rooms if you, if you leave <laughs> up. And I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So, um, yeah, and that was, yeah, that was really good as well because obviously like one of the best in the sport. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. And having just come out of the Rio games, uh, had you already decided, was that the final term as a teacher and then I actually spoke with the coaches here back in the February of that year and, you know, was like kind of flirting with the idea of maybe doing triathlon. I had been for a while. You know, I actually remember watching Alistair and Johnny at um, London and really wanting to do it. Then I was injured that year. I wasn't running. Um, and I was like, oh, do I do it now? But I just felt like I had, I just felt like I could prove myself a bit more in the track. And I had a home, home Commonwealth Games, like Glasgow is where I'm from. So I had that to go for. And then doing so well in Glasgow I was like oh I need to give the Olympics a shot like I'll, I'll never live it down if I if I don't at least try and then obviously made the Olympic team and I kind of kind of put it on the back burner for a bit um, and then after Olympics after like a disappointing race and I was actually sick the night before the race and you know I was just really kind of down after that and I just felt like I needed a change so I actually had like a month off work in September um, in which I kind of made this decision um, and then handing my notice in, worked up until the Christmas term ending. And then on the 9th of January, moved to Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit well, it's hard to argue with but... someone who's just returning from an Olympics and about to move into with the Brownleys. You sort of just be like, oh, okay. Um... Yeah. I just, I just felt like I needed to be in the best place. And, you know, I, you know I'm not, I don't want to make any decisions rashly. I, had, I did have a lot of time to think about it. And I just felt like, this would be the best place for me. Um, 
and it kind of coincided with my sister moving to Sheffield to do a medicine degree so I was like she's close by you know I'll have family there if I'm if I'm struggling so yeah I think it was mm. I think it was worked out perfectly. And Johnny full of good advice sort of you know picturing late night cups of tea and sitting around chatting and like giving <laughs> how was that? <laughs> yeah. yeah it was good like it definitely I think it, it was important for me not to get sucked into what he was doing and um, you know and then like not to try and do what he was doing as well because that was that was never going to end well for me um but yeah it's just it was good to pick his brains and you know giving good advice and it was yeah it was it was a good 11 months <laughs> so up in Leeds um who obviously like Kate Woff is a big training buddy now right who else has been a sort of yeah, big influence yeah. on you over the last couple of years and well not influence necessarily but like you know a help as well and a, a cohort yeah I think I think yeah mainly mainly the boys to be honest and their training partners yeah I do a lot of stuff with them like I swim with them now and um I'm at the track at the same time I'm in the gym at the same time I sometimes ride with them so yeah like it's definitely um been a lot of that and I, I train with some of the runners as well so Laura Waitman she's a 5k runner uh, who's based at Leeds as well and so I do some I've done some track sessions with Laura in the past and obviously Kate Wolf as well so um yes it's a really good it's a really good group and how was um, the, yeah, the sort of obviously you had a grounding in swimming for a long time and then running and then what was your what was your bike sort of level when you my bike level yeah. My bike level consisted of sometimes riding my fixie to work, sometimes <laughs> not. Um, I'd never worn cleats. I'd never been attached to my bike. Um, I mean, sometimes in the summer when I was younger, I used to cycle to swimming, but swimming was only a mile away. Um, so yeah, cycling was very, <laughs> was very new. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's definitely been, I think out of the three, it's probably the, maybe the easiest to pick up. Right. I don't know I could I, yeah like I think you just need to spend some time on your bike and and ride your bike but obviously I had the the technique side from swimming from when I was really young but I hadn't I hadn't been in the pool really for eight years you know apart from the occasional injury from running I'd go and swim for a bit but right. a bit, three weeks at a time um so yeah no it was it's, it's yeah again it's just taking time on the bike and I think almost having um the pandemic last year just kind of bought me an extra winter in what would have been a summer season and that's that yeah it was kind of lucky with that yeah I mean yeah it's it's a pretty ambitious thing to with basically zero bike skills <laughs> to go right triathlons for me and and not least as well because like you said you know you said you never get picked for mixed relays and so on but the, the competition is is deep right in the in the gb setup as well so in terms of like trying to find your way within that team as well you know such big hurdles in front of yourself it seems yeah no and i think i've just not really like had like i i had limited opportunities to do obviously because the girls in britain are so good I, I i'm not always first in line to get the next call up so it's been difficult but um yeah, like it's it's good to have some starts in World Series this year, and um, I've only done a bit too, I think two World Series. I don't know, it's not many, um, and I, I did find that quite difficult to start. Like the the level just increased really quickly, so I would do European level, and then 
got success there, then World Cup, and then you know it just it, it just increased quite rapidly. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm I'm more ready now. Hmm. Definitely feel more equipped, ready for what is on offer on WTS. So I think I feel more confident in my abilities now, and I I don't think I had that um, you know last year, the year before. So yeah, yeah. And so also obviously also feeling in in such good nick and putting in records and so on. When all the talk is about Tokyo, is it a bit frustrating knowing that that door has been shut? Obviously, the GB team was kind of select the women's team was selected in November wasn't it but or, or was that something that you had kind of already thought was was out of reach um I don't know uh yeah I mean it's frustrating but I guess yeah they did what they had to do you know at the end of 2019 and, and were selected I guess it's just for me I feel frustrated because I feel like this you know I I don't know maybe I would have been okay to I don't know I really don't know until I start racing I don't know but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to look at it like that. I think there's still lots of opportunities for me this year to do well on the World Series. And I don't know, who knows? I might go for a, a track call-up. I don't know. I just don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. There, there are there are other opportunities, yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, I just, I'm just taking one race at a time at the moment. And, you know, obviously, luckily, the, the first three races of the season have gone well. So I'm just hoping to build on that for the rest of the season. Just briefly to touch on Arzi Jenner again, um, yeah, just straight out of the water into that hill on that bike. How how was that as far as kind of races and courses that you've tackled? And is it one that you'll be sort of heading back to? Obviously, it's, you know, end of May is scheduled for, right? Or is it once bitten, twice shy? I think it's, is it after Leeds or before Leeds? I can't remember. Before, weekend before, yeah. All right, okay. Well, probably not then. No. I did, I really enjoyed it. And I think... Um, I think people will maybe writing me off a little bit on because I, I think before you know if I had something like a really hard swim or a really hard bike I couldn't utilize my like super strength you know, I couldn't utilize that because I had used every single match to get to that point in the race whereas I think with that one you know like maybe people were surprised that I managed to hold on because I had a you know I was biking with some really really good girls and then managed to outrun them so I think that's where I used to struggle before, like getting to the run in one piece. If I'd done not so much work, then yeah, I'd be fine. But if I'd really burnt all the matches, then that nah, game over. So I think that's something that's just come with like time riding my bike and just time in the sport. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what was nice about doing the 5K. Like I did that off a big week with tired legs and and, and run well. So I feel like I, I can back that a little bit more now. So yeah mm. yeah and in valencia i mean surrounded but coming out of the bike there surrounded by you know, nicholas Beriggs, lisa turch obviously another huge sort of 5k it was very tentative in valencia i actually um i actually came off my bike the day before in the bike path oh <laughs> and so i was really nervous and that's why you would i was at the back of every single bike thing and my my boyfriend was having an absolute meltdown on the side of the course like why is she off the back again um, and I was just really I was just really nervous because because of coming off and usually you have a bit of time to kind of ride it off but I was straight into a race and mm. um, and yeah so I, but I just kept my cool and I just knew I had to if I was going to make it to the front of the race in the run I just had to do it gradually and not and not go off really really hard just do it gradually and 
and do it that way. So yeah, it was. I was really happy to come away with the the win there because I'd actually struggled with a bit, bit of a knee problem in between that one and Arzatena and Valencia. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit annoying. I couldn't actually complete a track session in between those two races. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think maybe something to do with like it being a hilly bike and a hilly run. I really hurt my knee. I couldn't really do anything. It was a bit annoying. But anyway. Because I've never really done a course that's been as challenging as that. That was it was tough because I think the run was hillier than we thought. Like that whole first mm. bit was just uphill. So, um, but still, like I really enjoyed both those races at the end of season. So, and then and, and obviously brilliant to to then have in this kind of lull to have the arena games to something to train for again and something to work on and. Um, yeah, just sort of fascinated just briefly about everything from the like competitive treadmill running. Is that something you've ever done before? No, never. And I actually did some, so I did the Zwift Pro Series in February because the weather in Leeds was really bad at the time anyway. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll mix it up on and mix it up the Wednesday and Thursday because Thursdays always seem to be better. So I was like, I'll do the I'll do the session, which was the the series on the Wednesday and do my long ride on Thursday. And that actually, I think, helped me get a little bit race fit because I would get nervous before then every every Wednesday afternoon. I was like, oh my God, right, okay, I need to get into my race mode. And it was just like, you're just in your garage looking at a computer screen and it's like, you're just getting nervous. It's really weird. And then, um, yeah, so I, I did enjoy that and I think that helped. And then I was doing some kind of, only did a couple of them, but um, with Kate and another girl called Ruth, we did some um, treadmill, like curved treadmill to bike stuff. But I think the 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 curve treadmills here at Beckett Leeds Beckett University were just so hard to run on. So I had I had like you know like was picturing the worst at Super League. I was prepared for the worst because I couldn't even get the treadmill up to fourteen kilometers an hour. It was so stiff. So then right. when I went to Super League, I was very pleasantly surprised. But um, yeah, it's odd. It's a very it's 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 strange. It's a strange action. But um. Quite a specific yeah way of doing yeah. it i'm it? looking forward to like running outside you know like mm. on in a road <laughs> so that's also look forward to it, the next one <laughs> and yeah well yeah and the very last sort of leg of that last race when you're kind of emerging from the pool and running around the edge of the pool and then onto the treadmill yeah just sort of thinking about like the, the heat and the chlorine inhaling and all of that sort of stuff it must have been quite quite something as well yeah I actually I really enjoyed it to be honest it was it was really fun and you know you just it just shows how you know clinical you have to be on your transitions like there's just mm. no margin for error you know I feel like in an Olympic distance or even a sprint you've got a, you've got like a, a window of opportunity but it's like you know a second could really cost you 10 seconds in this kind of racing because you know if there's a group of you and you got on the bike that's it that just goes out the window so you really have to you have to be really clean and all conditions yeah. yeah well and sort of rapidly hat off goggles off is one thing but hat on goggles on is completely like if you're feeling a bit tense yeah. and you can't get it on i can imagine things start to melt down a well, little bit kate and i were practicing that actually we were we were doing yeah. a sprint set on a friday <laughs> and uh our coach would like We'd we'd start, we'd run from either sides of the pool and we'd run to our hats, goggles, and then she'd start the watch when we went in. So that was really fun. Like we'd be going off at different times, 
Um, but I think that helps because it was a bit, you're like under pressure. I think the key is to stay calm and don't panic. Yeah. Definitely. And looking at your avatar while you're kind of going 100% and is that odd? Or is it, did you get a... Yeah, because I don't feel like it looked like it was trying that hard. No, well, that's what I... I was like you're not going that fast come on it looked like everything was kind of in time but obviously yeah there was no you know the little getting frustrated I was like why are you not going a bit quicker come on I'm working quite hard here yeah really I was really getting bothered by it but I tried to not look at it and um, I was like squinting at the screen because my I didn't realize how bad my eyesight was, but I couldn't see the numbers. I was like, how many seconds does that say? Oh, wow. um, and obviously you're moving up and down as well, so it's difficult to read. But um yeah, it was it was definitely it's definitely got me race fit, I'd say. So yeah. Yeah, I mean that best of luck with the next few weeks and getting getting race ready, right? I mean Yeah, not many not many weeks to go, not many sessions left really. Um, yeah. yeah. Is it looking very, very specific sort of schedule for the next couple of weeks then? Um, yeah, I actually just need to have a proper look at my training, training peaks. But yeah, I think I've got... And it's been hard since Yeah. the 5K anyway, right? So Yeah, I just didn't... It was quite nice having, you know, training to throw myself back into because I just found that it was a nice escape from my phone, to be honest. So, you know, the longer the session was, the better. <laughs> right. Um... But yeah, no, I think um, I've got a couple of hard weeks on the on the cards, and then obviously the travel to Japan. I guess I'll have a bit of an easier week then. But yeah, just help. It helps now that the weather is a bit nicer in the UK as well, so it's it's quite nice. It does. Well, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, and I'm sure I'll see you at least sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, cool. Definitely. All right. Thanks a lot. See you later. Bye. Soon. Bye. A big thank you to Beth Potter. Next week on the podcast, we will hear from Morocco duo Mehdi Ezadik and Badr Siwani, both firm friends and training partners and going for a single new flag place at Tokyo and the chance to make history as the first Moroccan Olympic triathlete. Thanks for listening. <laughs>